All right. Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Cato and Church podcast. We are so glad you're here. Cato, man, how you doing? Hey, good evening, man. Good to be with you, man. Oh, yeah. Always good to, to have my buddy Cato and us doing us a, a podcast together. Uh, just want to welcome everybody. Uh, hope everybody's had a good day. Uh, and all that. I know today was a pretty day here where I'm at. Uh, I know that. I don't know about you, Cato, but the weather was pretty good here today. It's been absolutely beautiful. Sure has. So, uh, but as we said, Cato, uh, we're just going to jump right in. We're not going to beat around the bush. Uh, we told the people earlier in the week, uh, Lord willing, uh, that we were going to have uh, a special guest on with us this evening. And uh, if you're watching there, you can see who it is, Mr. Justin Peters. Justin, thank you so much for coming on here and uh, taking your chance on the Cato and Church podcast. You're very welcome, brothers. It's my pleasure to do it, and I'm honored by the invitation. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> I just, just so people, um, uh, just I, we talked about this a little bit, I think, uh, the other day, Cato. Just uh, I know the first time. I met Justin was here where I where I live here in South Carolina. He was speaking at a church there. I don't I don't know how I found out he was there, but I'd heard of him, uh, and I told my wife we need to go. We need to go, you know, because uh, we I knew enough about him that I knew we lined up really well <laughs> in, in our beliefs and stuff. So, and I told my wife about that, and uh, so we went. And, uh, Cato, I think I told you when it was over with, um, I went up to, cause I wanted to, to meet him, you know, and, uh, and right. tell him thanks for what he did that night, that night. And, and, and of course we were there every night, but, uh, I think, I don't know if Justin remembers this or not, but, uh, I know the pastor, uh, he started asking, you know, who's going to take him back to his hotel. Cause they'd put him up in a hotel. Well, I jumped on the chance. I will, we'll take him. We'll take him and ended up taking him back to his hotel every night, uh, which was a blessing, which was a blessing to us. It really was. I'm not just saying that, but, uh, and then also one day, uh, had the privilege of having him in our home. We call it dinner, Justin. I don't know what you call it. See, I call it supper like the Lord Jesus does. And so, so we had, we had Justin in our house for dinner, which a lot of people call lunch. So, uh, and, and got to know him just a little bit better and, uh, and had a, had a, had a good time with him breaking bread with us and having a meal. And that's just uh, something that we've always, uh, always remembered. Well, I think yeah. I met it. I think Justin, I think I met you maybe a year or so before Chris did, but I'm sure you don't remember it, but it, there was a conference down at, um, first Baptist Woodstock. It was called the deeper conference. And, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Remember that they had, they had brought yeah. Paul, Paul washer was there and some, uh, some others. Yeah. I think um, it may have been Kirk Cameron and somebody had put it on, but uh, yeah, I remember that. Had, I, sure I remember you, you came there and uh, so, so that's been several years ago now, but yeah, that's been a while. That's been, gosh, that's been probably close to 10 years, yeah, maybe yeah, at least more than that. It's well, been say a long two, time. 2009, 2010, somewhere yeah. in there, so somewhere around the same general yeah. area. I know when but, uh, before we uh, before you hooked up with us here on this streamyard outfit, uh, Justin, me and Cato, we were talking, and I said, you know, we're going to be respectful for his time. And Cato said, yeah, tell him when he comes on here, we're not going to try to keep him as long as a Paul Washer sermon. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Paul Washer, um, 
I tell you, I just love that guy. Uh, he is, he is a dear, dear brother. And, you know, he's, a, he's, a he's in the pulpit. I mean, what's the word, um, can be fiery, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh almost kind of like a modern day Puritan. But when you, when you talk to him privately on one-on-one, uh, he's, he's very meek, yeah. you know, very, yeah. very gentle spirited. Um, I have seen Paul Washer with my own two eyes, uh, backstage praying this. In fact, this was just last year, but praying with, uh, uh, a Hispanic lady whose son had just been in an extremely serious car accident. I don't think they even expected him to pull through, but she uh, mm. only spoke Spanish. And of course, Paul Washer speaks yeah. Spanish. Yeah. And so um, he was praying with her and spending time with her. And no one saw this. You know, he wasn't doing it for the show. No one saw this. Right. Uh, I just happened to, I happened to see it because he and I were going to discuss something else um, in, in, and then this lady showed up. So anyway, just, you know, he, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. Well, that's the words I, when that's the words I was thinking is just being the real deal. I've never had the pleasure of meeting him. I hope so, uh, someday, yeah. but, uh, I know that, uh, Cato and myself, I know my wife, we really enjoy listening to him. Um, yeah, I think, you know, back, back during that time when I first heard you and met you at that deeper conference, that that period of time right there, I want to say this 2007, eight, nine in there, that that message that uh, Paul had, that shocking youth message, had just like blown up on on mm-hmm. social media and YouTube, yeah, and uh, different people. And we had went to a church at uh, Jeff Noblitz Church down in uh, Muscle Shoals, Alabama. We went to what they call the True Church Conference, yeah, and that's where we heard. Uh, Paul Washer there and Vody Bauckham was there that same time. So it was, and to me, that was almost like a, a time period um, that the Lord just during that time had really opened a lot of people's eyes to the, uh, to the truth of the gospel. And, uh, you know, yeah, I Amen. Back there, you know, I don't know if you remember kind of that, that time yeah. period I'm talking about there. I do. I sure do. Yep. But uh, anyway, uh, Justin, just tell us, and, and everybody that's watching, or everybody that will be listening, uh, tell us, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, yeah, I'm born and reared in Mississippi. Uh, I live in Montana now, so uh, if if my accent gives me away a little bit, people can probably tell I'm not from Montana originally. But, uh, <laughs> born and reared in Mississippi, but my wife Kathy and I live here in in Montana, Bozeman, Montana. And, um, I am in full-time evangelism. I travel and preach and teach in churches all across the United States. I go internationally quite a bit. I've, uh, I think I've been in 27 different countries now Wow! preaching and, uh, some countries, of course, multiple times, but, um, I suppose what I'm most known for is my seminar that's entitled clouds without water, which is a biblical critique and refutation of the word of faith movement, the health and wealth, name and claim it, prosperity gospel, also the new apostolic reformation. I deal with that. Uh, that word of faith and NAR are they're basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. A little bit of difference in their eschatology, but the but basically the same thing. And so uh, you know, Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, Bill Johnson, Joseph Prince, Joyce Meyer, Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, 
Robert Morris, uh, Gateway Church and DFW, Andrew Womack, you know, this health and wealth, name and claim it, Prosperity Gospel. So I, I have dozens and dozens of video clips of all these individuals and I let people see and hear for themselves what they're actually teaching and then point by point correct that from scripture. And so, uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, I guess those are the, most of the invitations I get to pr preach and teach are uh, to present my Clouds Without Water seminar, but I have other interests as well. <laughs> A lot of people think I'm all, you know, all I do is sit around and watch TBN all day. That's not what I do. <laughs> but um, uh, my first uh, commitment is to exposition, preaching the word of God verse by verse. Uh, I have several other seminars that I've also deal with and uh, I've written one book and uh, well, actually I've written two books technically, uh -huh. but one of those books thus far is only available in Russian. So, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh, me. I have a YouTube channel that I've become more active on in the last year or so. In fact, I just posted a video just a few minutes ago. Okay. Uh, I interviewed uh, James Coates, that pastor up in Canada. Yeah. Who, who was arrested wow. and spent over a month in prison. Yeah. Just for having church. Yeah. So. Well, you know, they, uh, they've arrested another one up there, and I don't know a whole lot about him, and I can't even remember his name. You've probably seen it. Yeah. I do know a little bit about him. Art, Arthur, Art, Arthur, I guess, but I guess Art, most people call him Pawlowski. Yes. Or Pawlowski. But, um, Polish descent, and yeah, he was he was arrested. Uh, he was released pretty quickly, and actually, James Coates and I talk about that in the interview. Um, I am I'm very very hesitant to give him any commendation. Yeah, uh, because I think the way he handled the police that came to his church was very unchristlike. Yeah, uh, calling them Gestapo Nazis. Yeah. You know, I disagree with what the police were doing. Exactly. I, I disagree with that. But to call them Nazis. Yeah. You know, I just, um, and it's funny you should mention him, like literally just about 30 minutes ago, I pulled up YouTube and lo and behold, he's being interviewed on Kenneth Copeland's network. Well, there you go. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've done a little bit of, a little bit of digging in. He's, he's a weird, he's a strange duck, theologically speaking. I think, in fact, I think he is word of faith. Really? You look at his stuff. So, uh, yeah, uh, not someone that I would, uh, I would commend. Well, so, I, I want to, I want to ask a quick question if it's go okay. Go ahead, Kato. Uh, Justin, these guys, these word of faith, I, I want to kind of jump right in here. I had a couple of different questions I wanted to ask you specifically. Copeland, you know, all those ones you mentioned, for the most part, do they believe, do they sincerely believe what they're teaching, uh, that they believe that it's, that they're true or, you know, some have said, I mean, uh, are they, you know, they're not backstage sitting around saying, Hmm, let's, let's see how we can, uh, deceive these people with, you know, or, or are they just completely deceive themselves? Does that make sense at all? What I'm trying to ask? Oh yeah. Yeah, it does. It, it does. Kato. And, and that's actually one of the more common questions I'm asked. And, um, my response is, is this, some of them are out and out charlatans. I mean, some of what I would call the bottom feeders of the word faith movement, the guys like Don Stewart and, uh, Peter Popoff and Robert Tilton. Those are guys that are so bad that TPN won't even put them on. So, right. 
you know if t if you're too bad for TVN, you're <laughs> you're pretty bad. You're bad. But um, now a lot of them fall into Second Timothy three, verse twelve. Um, Paul said verse twelve and thirteen there for the fuller context. But Paul says that uh, evil men and imposters will grow from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, deceiving and being deceived. So. It, both of those dynamics can be at work in the same person. And uh, I think exhibit A for this would be Benny Hinn. Uh, he is actively deceiving people. And uh, I know that. He's, I wrote my master's thesis on him. He has told hundreds of lies, demonstrably proven lies. Um, he, he deceives people. He, he knows the people that are up on his stage that he proclaims to be healed are not healed. He knows that he's actively deceiving people. And yet he's being deceived himself. And I, I think that at some level, Benny Hinn thinks he's doing the right thing uh, at some level. Right. So yes, he's a deceiver. Yes. He's a liar. And yes, he knows it. And so he is deceiving and yet he's being deceived. And both of those dynamics can be at work in the same person. So yeah, uh, you've probably heard it said, if you tell a lie often enough, you begin to believe it yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's, yeah, that's at work with Benny Hinn. The, why, do you, others. Yeah. why do you think it is that the people, I mean, I know, I guess I know ultimately what it is. But why do you think that those people, like that you've mentioned, that's in this stuff, or that, that, you know, they're the ones that's proclaiming the messages. They're the pastors everybody's seeing on the TV and so on and so forth. But why why do you think it is that the people that follow them, you know, I've talked with some of them, you know, before trying to discuss this kind of stuff. And, I mean, it's kind of like um, – Sometimes you would think that they would just about want to come to blows with you because you're talking about that person, mm -hmm. and and you know you you know I know I know you know this that you know they're gonna of course they're gonna throw up you know you don't mess with the Lord's anointed and so on and so forth and of course taking just like they do taking scripture out of context, but I mean why why do you think it is that those people are like that toward those those charlatans toward those false prophets yeah uh, that's a that's another good question um a couple of things there are a lot of people that don't want to be told the truth they would rather believe a lie than believe the truth and paul says in second timothy 4 that the time will come when people will no longer endure sound doctrine but, but will heap to themselves teachers who tickle the ears and that's exactly where most professing believers are today. Note my use of the term professing uh -huh. believers. Exactly. And uh, they don't want to endure sound doctrine. They want teachers to tickle their ears. They want to be told what they want to hear. And so these false teachers are in and of themselves part of God's judgment mm -hmm. on people. They are part of God's judgment. And so it's like people say, well, I want... I want someone to tell me that it's always God's will to be healed. Okay, here's Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland. Well, I want I want someone to tell me I can have my best life now. Okay, God says, here's Joel Osteen. Uh, so 
they're part of God's judgment and people would rather be in that delusion. So when you rock that boat, when you try to tell them that, no, these people are not of God, they're false prophets, they're wolves or hirelings. People don't want to hear that. They, yeah. they don't like it. You're, you're, you're messing with their idol. Yeah. And that's what these pre, these false teachers are. They're idols. Yeah. Do you, uh, to, do you think to their followers, you think it's also, and I, th- I and I think it's some of this too, maybe is just the fact because I, I know how we are as human beings, and 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 you, you used a word, a term there, talking about idols. We are awful bad to make them. Yeah. And so, if you don't believe me, just watch people and how they act at college football games and pro football games and so on and so forth, and they see that stuff on TV. So, what I'm saying is, do you think some of it too? Is just the fact of how we are, and we're 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 so easy to make an idol because we are sinful, and 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 so they see these people on TV, and and they have in their mind, well, well, they're on TV, they must be legit. Yeah, you know, yeah. you see where I'm coming from. Oh yeah, and, yeah, they have big ministries. Yeah, that God must be blessing them. Look how big their ministries are. Yeah, look how big their church is. Look how many people follow them. You know, and I get, I get these, these kind of critical comments to, Oh, you're just jealous. You know, you're jealous because Joel Osteen has a bigger following than you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can assure you, I'm not jealous of Joel Osteen or any of these people because I do not envy them one day when they stand before Christ exactly. and have to give an account. I do not envy them in the least. Exactly. Uh, um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't want to, too they they but you're right you're you're exactly right chris you're uh, spot on with that and and a lot of people just don't want to be told that they're wrong they can't believe that they've been wrong for all of these years following these wolves and it's a i think with some of them uh, it can become a a pride issue yeah you know none of us likes to be told hey you're wrong exactly you know, it's not something we enjoy hearing um, and so uh, if you tell someone that, Hey, you've been following a wolf for 20 years. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a, a big pill to swallow for a lot of people. They don't want to admit that they could be so wrong about something so important for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you, and, and then maybe I, I thought I heard this in a video of yours, uh, one time I may have heard it when you were here years ago at this church. I can't. I, I don't remember where I heard it, but I, I'm pretty sure I heard it somewhere. But didn't you at one time, and I don't know who it was, but didn't you go to one of these so-called healing services and confront uh, confront the teacher? I don't remember who it was, but didn't you do that? Can Can you elaborate on that? Is that something you don't want to talk about? I I'm not. I'm not wanting to put you on the spot. No, that's fine. Yeah, I did. Uh, this was back in 2014, I think. Uh, and I've confronted a few of them, Jesse Duplantis and Joel Osteen, but it's not on video. Uh, but, uh, the one that is on video was 2014 when I confronted Todd Bentley. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was who it was. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. A church in Oklahoma. I sure did. And, uh, I, I was actually watching the services at our house in Edmond, Oklahoma. And I heard him mention that the services were being live streamed all around the world. And he said, there's people in 75 different countries watching us. And I thought, hmm, 
that, well, that's just down the road. Uh, I could go and I could confront him on live TV and there's nothing they could do about it. You know, they can't <laughs> edit it out cause it's live. And I thought, well, that's a great opportunity to go confront him. And, and so I did, and it, it is on YouTube okay somewhere to this day i don't know who put it on youtube i don't even know who recorded that video but uh, yeah it's so it's you just want to be a troublemaker yeah for jesus <laughs> yeah i you know i figured it'd be I, I would get in as much as i possibly could before they hauled me off and, and hopefully <laughs> by god's grace there would be people watching it and it would be enough to make them uh see the light yeah give them give them some pause yeah. before you know yeah. exactly uh, that's, that's, that's somebody that I hadn't heard from in a while is, is that Todd Bentley guy. I hadn't, hadn't heard from him in a while. Is, is there some reason for that or, well, I mean, I hope so. I hope the Lord shut him down, but yeah, I tell you, Todd Bentley, um, there, there's only a couple of these people that I think are genuinely demon possessed. Mm-hmm. I think Kenneth Copeland is one. I believe he's actually demon possessed and Todd Bentley is the other. I think he's genuinely demon possessed when I was confronting him and I was standing right there in front of him I, and you know, my theology, I'm not a mystical kind of a guy at all. Yeah. Uh, but there was a palpable sense of evil yeah. around that guy. You know how, when you take two magnets and you, you try to put the same poles together and they just, and they stay apart, they stay yeah. apart. Yeah. I don't know what he was feeling, but that was the way it was for me. I, it was all I could do to stand there. He just evil. Uh. evil. And um, so I, I did confront him, but the reason you haven't seen much of him is uh, it was about a year ago. Maybe it was two years ago now that uh, things kind of came to a head with him and his too many to count sexual um failings soirees sexual immorality yeah. i mean the guy is he is just always oh, so wicked and so immoral um all kinds of very serious sexual uh, misconduct allegations and and that kind of came to a head and they uh, a, a few of the charismatic leaders michael brown and some others did this long study investigation and they finally came out with this half-hearted um, repudiation of Todd Bentley and said, basically at this time, he's not fit for ministry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, not at this time and yeah. not ever. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, ever, yeah. Ever yeah. is he fit for ministry. So yeah. I knew he um, was a humdinger when he first started. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was. And it shows you how undiscerning this movement is because you had some of the leading most prominent figures in this movement that prophesied over Todd Bentley saying that God was going to bring a great worldwide revival through Todd Bentley. Yeah. And the whole time this was going on, Todd Bentley was drinking like a fish <laughs> and, um, and having an affair with a female member of his staff, wow. you know, so, so much for this, the prophetic gifts, you know, of these, prophets, you know, call themselves seers. They couldn't see what was right in front of their nose. Yeah. I know. And I know people who may be watching or, or will watch later, um, uh, or may be listening, uh, to the podcast when they're able to, when I get it on our streaming services or what have you, you know, they're going to some, I don't, I don't know, but maybe some of them are going to, they're going to be kind of like, um, uh, you know, why does, why does this guy, why is, 
you know, why is him and 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 Cato and Church? You know, they're they're calling these names. They're uh, they're calling the people by their names. You know, they they, you know, who are, who are they to judge these people and 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 call their names? What, what would be your response to that? You know, of 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 calling names because we know we know it's biblical number one because we know Paul did it. Uh, so. And I'm 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 going to assume, of course, that that's really going to be your response because it's biblical. But but what would you what would you say to those people uh, that would say stuff like that? Yeah, well, it's biblical, <laughs> and you're you're exactly right. You kind of answered the question. Uh, Paul called out false teachers by name publicly on multiple occasions. Paul did it. Peter did it. John did it. Even Jesus himself said, Herod, that fox. Uh-huh. So there is a biblical precedent for calling out false teachers by name. Uh, now, I tell people we should not do this lightly, you know, and we shouldn't call somebody a false teacher if they differ with us with us on some secondary or tertiary theological point, you know, whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, whether you're amillennial, post-millennial, you know, who you, whoever you think wrote the book of Hebrews, was yeah. Matthias a real apostle or not? You know, these are some interim, inside the ballpark, you know, kind of theological debates that we can have with one another and still have fellowship in Christ. But You can have them for but, fun. Uh, what's that? You can have them for fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Have them for fun. You know, iron sharpens iron. And exactly. So, um, so that's fine. But when it comes to calling out false teachers, we're not talking about the author of the book of Hebrews. We're not talking about when was the date of the Exodus. We're talking about fundamental gospel issues here. We're talking about false prophets, proven yes, false prophets here. And the fact of the matter is, is that 26 of the 27 books in the New Testament directly warn about false doctrine and or false teachers. Mm-hmm many of those books multiple times. So uh, only the book of Philemon has nothing to say, at least not directly, uh, about false doctrine or false, false teachers. So warning about them is a, it's a very prominent theme in the New Testament. Uh, we are commanded to do so. Um, and it's not an either or. You know, you don't have to choose either teach sound doctrine or uh, call out the wolves. In fact, Paul says in Titus chapter 1, verse 9, he says that we are to teach sound doctrine and refute those who contradict it. Yep. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And so. Exactly. And it, I, I wished it was done more often. Uh, yeah. Because what's so sad is to me is the people, and, and I'm going to, you know, your, your concern, I, I guess you could say you're more conservative Baptist churches, you're more conservative Presbyterian churches, uh, and maybe even some some of your your conservative uh, Church of God type churches that uh, you just don't hear a lot of those churches and pastors calling out these people, and you know that that some of those churches in those particular denominations, if you want to call them such, uh, that they listen to these people. And I just think it's kind of sad that you don't hear more of that. Because to me, the pastor, he's the shepherd, and so he's one of one of his jobs is to be protecting. 
Yep, that's and, right. And you don't hear, right. and you don't hear enough of that. And and I think that's kind of too maybe in reason we're in some of the shape that we're in because we 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 don't call that stuff out and these people flock to this crowd and 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 you know as well as I do like what you said about yourself at the beginning you expository preaching is where it's at and you don't get it from that crowd no you you no. don't get it no they uh, they couldn't even spell expository <laughs> preaching much less do it exactly so yeah you don't you don't get that from them at all on any level. Yeah. And, um, I know you said at the beginning, you'd been like in 27 countries. Okay. One of the questions that I had that I'd kind of thought of that I'd been thinking, you know, over the last couple of weeks when I knew that we were going to be able to have you, uh, I know that in some of those countries, the health and wealth stuff is is, and I know it's here too. But it seems like I've some of the things I've seen when it comes to this stuff in other countries is very seems to be very popular in some of those countries, and then some of those countries are poor countries. Mm-hmm. And so, when you go to these foreign countries and you teach on this, how are you how are you received? I mean, do you receive any backlash or you know? You know, do you have any bad news like that, but also good news of, hey, well, I went here, and let me tell you what happened. God used it. Kind of speak on on both of those uh, parts there, that question. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for the most part, I'm received really well, but you're, you're right. As bad as the Word of Faith movement is here in the States, it's far worse overseas. I mean, when you go to Africa, Africa is absolutely saturated with word faith theology. I mean, just word faith lingo everywhere you look, you know, just up and down the streets, it's everywhere you look like, you know, um, blessed and highly favored taxi kind (laughs) of stuff. You know, you see that literally um, everywhere you look. So uh, if if a church is specifically inviting me to come in, you know, somewhere overseas, then uh, I'm generally received very well because they kind of know what they're getting. You know, it would be your more doctrinally oriented churches that have me come in. Uh, but there have been times overseas when I've gone into churches I don't that <laughs> that didn't know what they were getting with me. Uh-huh. Um, I'll tell you, I don't want to take up too much time, but I'll, I'll tell you one story. It really stands out. Back in 2013, I went with a friend of mine named Mike Miller. He's a pastor in Oklahoma. And we went to Uganda and uh, Mike befriended a, a man, a pastor in Uganda named Bill and um, struck up a relationship with him. And Bill at the time was definitely not word of faith, but he was kind of charismatic. He was like a, a charismatic with a seatbelt on, if you will, <laughs> and uh, more Armenian in his theology and his view of salvation. But um, Bill had us come over and he organized a preaching tour all across Uganda for us for about two weeks. And so uh, we went, now the very first venue we went to, they had this big white tent set up and we got to the venue a little late that, that first night. And so the tent was already up and, and people were there, the service had already started. And as Mike and I are walking up into the tent, it was just, the music was loud. I mean, really, really loud and boisterous. And we walked into the tent 
we looked around, there's 200 or so people in this tent and they were all jumping up and down. They are all just, I mean, bouncing up and down and spinning around in circles and uh, all of them speaking in tongues. Some people I saw, they literally had their eyes rolled back in their head. And I mean, you could only like there, there was no pupil. It was just the white. You thought you was there with the undertaker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Creepy. And then there was a guy at the front with a microphone and he was like the ringleader of this stuff. He was jumping up and down, speaking in tongues, full bore in the microphone, whipping people up into this emotional, ecstatic frenzy. And Mike and I just looked at each other when we saw all this and, and we were like, what have we walked into? Like, why are we here? We we walked into strange fire. That's what we walked into. Yeah. And um, I mean, we did just didn't. We just kind of looked at each other, like, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> like, we, we didn't know what was about to happen, but uh, it finally quieted down, and they pulled up a chair for me to sit down in. And so I'm sitting in this white plastic chair, and I get my stuff out and kind of set up ready to ready to preach against what had just been going on well the the guy with the microphone the ringleader he pulled up a chair next to me sat down beside me and he leaned over and he said he said hello my name is fred i'm going to be your translator (laughs) and i thought okay (laughs) all right um and so for the next two hours i preached against what they had just been doing. Wow. And Fred in translating me was basically preaching against himself. He was preaching against what he had just been doing a few minutes ago. <laughs> and it, wow. and of course he's translating it into their native tongue. And I didn't know if he was translating me right or not, but every once in a while I'd look over at Bill, Bill was sitting over on the side. I'd look over at Bill and kind of, and Bill would look at me and he would go, you know, like that. And so as, as long as Bill was happy, I, I knew it was the translation was going okay. When it was all over, uh, Fred came up to me after the after the people kind of filtering out, and he said, "He said, Justin, when you first got here, I wasn't too sure about you." And I was thinking, <laughs> "That's mutual, Clyde. I wasn't too sure about you either." And, and he said, "But I now realize you're teaching the truth." Mm. He said, I'm a pastor and I don't want to teach my people anything that's wrong. Where can I get more of this teaching? Uh, I mean, a night and day difference, wow. just like on, I mean, practically on the spot. Wow. And, um, you know, we're now eight years out from that and we still get good reports of, uh, from Fred and from Bill, Bill Isa. Um, he is now a cessationist and he's more Calvinistic in his soteriology uh, doctrine of salvation reformed, you know? And so, uh, uh, and he's got a whole new church, wow, completely new church. So it's, uh, it's been good, uh, you know, and, and praise the Lord for that. So it's, yeah. it's just the power of his word. It's God's word does not return to him void. Exactly. Um, speaking of, uh, being a sensationist, um, how I know that I'm sure that we would say that we would we would say that there are some folks that would not be that that are Christians, you yeah. know. 
how how I'm I'm trying to think of the way I want to word it for those that are not. When do you think the line is drawn to where you would you could work with them, help them, you know, hey, we can work together, let's share the gospel, let's get the gospel out. Uh, you know, you, you could do things. I, I'm just saying things like in your community and you work with these churches to, 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 to have something in the community for the gospel to spread or what have you. Uh, but where do you think the line would be drawn to where you would have to say, we can't work together with, 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 with that type of belief system? where they believe that, you know, well, the gifts of the Spirit, man, they're still there, and, and apostles and prophets and tongues and all of that. Is my question making sense? How clo- I mean, where, do you, where would you draw the line on that to say, oh, yeah. we got to stop right there? Yeah. Uh, well, well, let me begin just by defining what cessationism is because a lot of people have a caricatured understanding or yes. misunderstanding rather of what it is. I'm a cessationist. Uh, a lot of people think that, oh, if you're a cessationist, you don't believe in the spiritual gifts today. No, I do. I do believe in the spiritual gifts of teaching, administration, exhortation, mercy, giving, hospitality. All those gifts are very much operative in the church today. I only believe that the apostolic gifts, the sign gifts have ceased. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, uh, in the gift of physical healing. Now, notice I said the gift of physical healing. I do believe that God still heals people today. Yes. But only when it's his sovereign will to do so. But what I do, what I reject is that anyone today actually possesses the gift of healing. So two different things. When God heals someone, he just does it because it pleases him to do so. Uh, but nobody today possesses the gift of healing. So, uh, just to, so just to define that. As far as partnering with the church, uh, if you are a charismatic, if you that means you believe that all of those spiritual gifts, including the apostolic gifts, assigned gifts, are still operative in the church today. That is not in and of itself a heretical position in and of itself. Um, it is error. It is significant error because you can't hold to a charismatic position and the sufficiency of scripture at the same time. They're mutually exclusive positions. Yeah. Um, if scripture is sufficient, which I believe that it is because it says that it is, <laughs> um, we don't need modern day apostles, prophets, dreams, visions from God, words of knowledge, all this kind of stuff. It's not necessary. Everything we have is in the Bible. Yeah. Um, so it, you, you can't hold to both that and the sufficiency of Scripture. Now, um, the problem is, is that just because you hold to a charismatic view, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a heretic. Uh, all, all word of faith in New Apostolic Reformation, that's heresy. Yeah, You've crossed a line. Now, all word of faith in NAR are charismatic, but in fairness, not all charismatics are word of faith. The problem is, is that the vast majority of charismatics are word of faith. Yeah. The vast majority. You see, the fringe of the charismatic movement is not Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland. 
and Bill Johnson. That's not the fringe. That's the mainstream uh-huh. of the charismatic movement. The fringe of the charismatic movement would be scholars like Wayne Grudem and Sam Storms. Okay. Uh, John Piper. Yeah. That's the fringe. But um, so I would, if I know I'm answering, you're taking a long time to answer. No, you're your fine. Question, you're fine. But I would have to be, I would have to know about this charismatic church. I would have to know them well uh, and make sure that they're not the 99% of charismatics that are word of faith. You know, if, if they're the, if they are, if they do represent part of the fringe, that's not, you know, I, I would never have that pastor preach in my pulpit, but could we partner if, you know, it's like a, I don't know, a, some kind of thing for the community. Uh, maybe. Yeah. But I, again, I would, I would be very cautious because once you pass that that Rubicon of the charismatic issue, you've opened yourself up to all kinds. It is a very, very, very slippery slope. Yeah. Right into Benny Hinland, right into Word of Faith, and they are. It's a very slippery slope. Yeah. Hey, uh, Justin, I got a quick question. Uh, do you think that in the day and time that we're in right now, here we are, 2021, this uh, movement, the uh, – the Benny Hinn and all that to me now, I, I, I mean, I may be wrong. It doesn't seem like it's as popular as it once was. I mean, I know in the States, I guess it's not, yeah, there, you know, maybe there's some other things that are close around it that have grown more popular. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, yes. I, in a, in a sense, I would say Benny Hinn is definitely not as popular as he right. used to be, at least not in the United States. Uh, used to Benny Hinn was packing out 30,000 seat coliseums regularly with lines stretched around the, the building. Now he's reduced to some hotel ballrooms. So uh, he doesn't have nearly the following that he used to. In fact, I read the other day, I think at his heyday, he had about 400 employees and now he's got about 20. Wow. So wow. now overseas, he's still a rock star, but not here. Um, and that's he's, good, still, that's he's still active though. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's still active. Uh, he's still very active on social media and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so he's not as popular, but with the advent of Bethel church and Hillsong, it's kind of a, um, well, I can't say that Bethel's not as crazy as Benny Hinn because they are. <laughs> Bethel's every bit as bad as Benny Hinn ever thought of being. They just um, have some catchy music. They appeal to a younger crowd. Yeah. So with Bethel and Hillsong, you know, uh, pastored by uh, Brian Houston over there in Australia, uh, those those two churches alone represent. They have a massive, massive following. Their music is enormously popular. Their music is being sung by the vast majority of Southern Baptist churches. Yeah. So even though you have some of these individuals like Benny Hinn that are not as popular, I, I unfortunately don't think the movement itself is really slowing down because you've got newer faces. You've got, of course, Joel Osteen. You've got Joseph Prince. Joyce Meyer is still enormously popular. Uh, the whole Hillsong stuff, Bethel stuff. Whereas, you know, 20 years ago, Bethel and Hillsong weren't really on the map yet. 
but right. um, but now they're huge, and they're and almost every almost every evangelical church sings their music. So and Kayla plays them, right? Kayla, yeah, yeah. Not that I ever listened to Kayla, but I right. so I've been told. <laughs> I'm sure they do. And one, one to me, I've often said this that one of the telltale signs that you've that you've got a word of faith. Now, this is not every time, okay? But this, to me, it's it's something that I've noticed <laughs> that one of the telltale signs that you know you probably are sitting in front of or under a false teacher or a health and wealth person is they're always carrying the microphone. They are, they always carry in the microphone. They don't have the lapel mic. They don't have this, uh, the the one that comes around year, and that, they they always having to carry the microphone. <laughs> That's just huh. something I've always noticed. It seems like okay. a lot of times with, with that crowd. I'm uh, not sure I've made that connection, but I'll have to be more observant. Well, just yeah, just observe that a little bit. And, yeah, and but now, 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 let me say this: the the ones that we were talking about that maybe are not as popular here now, but still are overseas, and then the ones that are kind of their, their popularity has risen: the the Bethel crowd, the Hillsong crowd, and so on. Now they may not carry it around as much because I mean this is the newer equipment and the the latest fad you know and that kind of stuff. But uh, but you are right they they are the ones that seem like now are are pretty popular. Uh, yeah. And and people just I mean the, the the just the discernment and what's so sad is just the discernment amongst and I'm going to say true Christians I I I, I I can't judge any differently to a point but. Uh, just how how we how we lack discernment. Uh, what would you say? What how would you encourage people to help them to have better discernment or to, to learn the practice of discerning? What would you tell them that they would need to do so that they can so that they can catch these people and their false teaching and the and the false things that they do and say. I would say, and this is going to sound like a Sunday school answer, but study the Bible. And I don't mean just casually read it, study it, study scripture, study hermeneutics, uh, get a good book on hermeneutics. That's how to interpret the Bible. Like I think John MacArthur has a really good little book on uh, hermeneutics, how to study the Bible and some good primer. If you don't know how to study scripture rightly, interpret it rightly, then you're, the conclusions to which you come will be wrong. Yeah. And, and if you're wrong about what the Bible teaches, you're wrong about God. So uh, read and study scripture, read and study hermeneutics. Um, do a study on the attributes of God. I, I, I would defy anyone to do a good, careful study on the attributes of God and come away with word of faith theology. Yeah. Not going to happen. Yeah not going to happen. Uh, listen to some good preachers. Turn off Joyce Meyer and Beth Moore. <laughs> exactly. Turn off Joel Osteen and Joseph Prince. Turn them off. Turn on men like John MacArthur, Steve Lawson, Paul Washer, Vody Balkum. Uh, turn off the social justice warriors. Mm. Turn them off. Listen to good sound expositors. And when you do that, uh, a steady diet of sound exposition 
And if you're studying to show yourself approved unto God, if you do a study on the attributes of God, if you start feeding yourself with the meat of the word, um, you're going to grow in discernment. Yeah. Well, you will grow in discernment. Mm -hmm. One thing I just thought of when you were saying that you talking about, you know, stay away from the ones you mentioned, stay away from those social justice, uh, preachers, what have you, uh, and get a hold of some biblical solid preachers. And one of the way want to me, one of the ways that you, that, that you'll be able to know that you've got a hold of a good, if they listen to the ones we've just told them not to listen to. Okay. If they'll, if they'll just try somebody different, I mean, just go to sermon audio and pick somebody. If, and if you're a big listener of the ones we just told you not to listen to, go to sermon audio and pick somebody listen to them and if probably if they get you good and mad keep listening because they're probably going <laughs> to learn something <laughs> they're prob they're probably an expositor of the word so just keep listening right. for a bit if they get you good and mad because because you're 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 faithfully listening to this crowd that we just told you not to try this one if they get you good and mad keep listening just yeah, hold buckle right. up and hold on yeah, yeah that's right <laughs> that's right but uh, yeah, well, uh let me jump in here for a second. I want to ask you I, now what I do uh, for my normal job. I, I, I produce a morning uh, conservative talk show is what I'm doing right now. Well, I figured you had and, quite the little studio there. If you're in, there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm in the <laughs> studio here and um, well, something come up has come up within the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, again, of course, we're the host is talking. You know, it's politics for the most part. And I, one of the things he's bringing up is who's going to be next. Uh, you know, as far as the next presidential candidate here in America or whatever, and um, some of the different people he's brought in. Let me see. I'm trying to get to get to a certain place here. Well, something come up within the last few weeks about the authority of scripture. And uh, he brought up there. There's a guy. I don't know if you'd be familiar with him or not. His name's Peter Thiel. He's a. Uh, I think he was maybe the guy that founded PayPal or something back in the day. Real brilliant guy. Um, and was a big Republican Trump supporter. He's also gay. And you know, something come up about that, and I was like, well, you know that he said that he felt like he should be at the table to discuss uh, because he is brilliant. And, and we got to talking about the authority of scripture and, you know, I was just trying to think church, you remember hearing some of it too, if you want to kind of jump in here and if you kind of can, you know, help me <laughs> direct me where I'm going here. Well, he was, if I can remember correctly, I mean, the, the guy that Cato was talking about, the radio host, was just talking about how uh, he was kind of aggravating Cato because Cato produces the show. And so uh, he was, this guy, this radio host, he would claim to be a Christian. And me and Cato talked about this last week. But he was just saying that with this this uh, this Peter Neal guy, I believe that's the name, uh, or Teal, Teal, yeah. Peter Teal guy being a homosexual, but being a Republican, that that is somebody that 
hey, we may have to look at sometime to cast our vote for uh, to maybe be the leader of the free world. And they, and if I mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, he was just asking Cato, just kind of kind of put Kato, trying to put Cato on the spot, but just kind of seeing where he would go with that, if he would agree with that. And I think what Cato was trying to ask you is, what what would be your opinion? What would be your take on that? I I know what mine is, but uh, and and me and Cato talked about it. But I think that's what he's trying to find out from you is what would be your response if I'm making sense to to that yeah. fella's point. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, so um, let's take, let's just use the president of the United States, highest office in the land. When I vote for president, I'm voting for a president. I'm not voting for a pastor. Right. I'm voting for a commander in chief. I'm not voting for an elder in my church. Uh, I voted for Donald Trump twice. Not in the same election, mind you. <laughs> yeah, the- clarify that. <laughs> yeah, no. A lot of people did vote twice, but not me. Um, I voted for him in 2016 and 2020. Uh, Donald Trump is lost. He's as lost as a ball in high weeds. He's not a Christian. Uh, and probably a lot of people here just heard me say that are probably really mad right now. Well, no, don't be mad. He's not a Christian. He shows no sign of being regenerate. Um, he's been asked twice publicly, have you ever asked God for forgiveness? He both times said no. Even when he was asked the second time, do you want to re, you know, rethink your first answer? He's like, no. I mean, so he's doubled <laughs> down on it. And, and it's someone who has never asked God for forgiveness, by definition, that's not a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now I voted for him, uh, but he's lost. He is no more lost than Barack Obama or Joe Biden, or Bill Clinton. I voted for Trump because I agree with his policies. And so, um, you know, if if it comes down to that, vote, I mean, in pretty much every election, right, when we vote for the White House, you're, you're voting, you're going to choose between two unbelievers. You know, they're I don't, I can't even think of the last time we had a truly regenerate man in the White House. Yeah. You know, that I was like confident. Yeah, that guy's that guy's born again. I don't know. I, I we may have had some, but I, it's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, so I don't. I know a lot of social justice warriors have accused evangelicals uh, of being hypocrites because we vote for Trump and Trump was so mm-hmm. immoral. Well, yeah, he is immoral. He's lost. Lost people do what lost people do. So I'm going to vote for you know, <laughs> I'm going to vote for a man whose policies are more in line with my views and an overall biblical framework in that, you know, does Donald Trump have deep-seated convictions about the sanctity of human life? Probably not. But that's not my primary concern. My primary concern is the people he appointed as judges and the policies that he makes, whether or not he personally has those deep-seated convictions. I'm concerned about the policies that will be enacted. So, uh, so when it comes to that, you know, I, I wouldn't have. Uh, I mean, voting for a homosexual as, as president, that would certainly not be my first choice because I can't imagine that a homosexual would have uh, would, would believe in traditional marriage. Obviously, yeah. So uh, it certainly wouldn't be my first choice. But if it came down to uh, you know, a homosexual who was pro-life, 
um, pro-Israel, low taxes, low regulations, you know, that kind of a, a concert, pro-Second Amendment, those kind of things, as opposed to voting for Joe Biden. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd have to hold my nose and, <laughs> you know, vote for the homosexual Republican. So there wouldn't, there really wouldn't be a line of, I mean, of, as far as uh, they're like, you know, practice, uh, practicing that guy practicing homosexual. I mean, you know, and I think of Trump, I don't think, you know, I didn't, yeah, he, you know, they brought up a lot of his past, but I mean, I mean, I, part of me is like, you know, well, he, you know, I didn't, I never thought he was a Christian either, but he was at least, uh, you know, from what we could tell, not being involved in a lifestyle of adultery or, you know, while he was president. I mean, as far as we know, anyway. Yeah. I, I don't I mean, know. I, I guess I'm just, you know, wrestling with, with that, you know, but I see, I definitely see what you're saying about not elected a pastor and not, you know, an elder or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just wonder if there's a, a line to draw on it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I vote for the policies, not, not the man. Would I like to see a, a, a good conservative family man who's faithful to his wife, who, you know, um, yeah, I would like, sure. I would like to see that. I would like to see a man who has at least some semblance of, of moral character in, in the white house. That would be my preference. But, uh, but I had no hesitation in voting for Trump, right? Even though, I mean, Trump's policies were friendly towards our worldview, towards the Trump, evangelical yeah. church and that broad, you know, there's a lot of stuff under that big broad term of evangelical nowadays, yeah. but, um, so I enthusiastically voted for him twice and don't regret it at all. Um, so the I, question that was brought, the question that was brought to me, Justin was Caitlin Jenner or Bernie Sanders. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, he's running for Republicans. So, I mean, you know, in California, if it came down, if it, <laughs> okay. So Caitlin is running for governor in California, apparently. If I lived in California, <laughs> praise the Lord, I don't. <laughs> but uh, there's some good folks in California. But boy, that state is uh, that state's a, a mess. But anyway, if if I did and uh, and I had to choose between um, Gavin Newsom and Caitlin, <laughs> yeah, I would I would hold my nose and vote for Jenner. And I and I keep saying quote unquote Caitlin because his name is Bruce. Exactly. He is a he, right. he's not a she. And it irks me to no end when I hear Fox news referring to Caitlyn Jenner as a she and using feminine pronouns for him. Exactly. He's not a she, he's a he, he's a dude in a dress, <laughs> do a DNA test. He's a man, he's yeah. a man wearing lipstick. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> that's right. No, that's not the guy that I would like to, to see, uh, as the, 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 uh, head figure there in my in my state no it's not it's not but uh well, you, you know these down. are these are just man just sadly we're even having this conversation i mean you yeah. know who would have thought 20 years ago we would even be having a conversation like this and they yeah, know that we're in you know yeah. but uh, 20 years ago i don't think we would be <laughs> i'm gonna i'm I mean, gonna i'm gonna change gears here just a second i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna 
uh, lighten the conversation up just to, for just a minute, and then I'm going to ask you one other question because I want to get your take on it because I know we've been going for about an hour now, and I don't, I'm, like I said, I want to be respectful of your time. But I know you said at the beginning you live in Bozeman. How uh-huh. how far is that from Yellowstone? I'm talking about the Wyoming side of Yellowstone. The Wyoming side of Yellowstone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, well, we're I, we're north of Yellowstone, uh, but but as the crow flies, I mean, I could get in my truck right now and drive an hour south and be in Yellowstone. Now, is that the Montana, the, the Wyoming part? Well, no, I would still be in Montana. Okay. Barely though. Okay. Barely, I wouldn't have to drive far and be in Wyoming. I wouldn't have to drive far at all. See, Wyoming so has become, you know, one of almost my favorite state um, an idol i want to say it's become an idol's church <laughs> <laughs> but I, I i just uh I, I i'm making a long story kind of short but i watched a a, 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 TV, a television show that was based what's funny it was based in wyoming but none of the show was recorded in wyoming and I yeah. thought that was neat, but it just got me looking up things about Wyoming. And uh, we had a trip, my family, uh, since you've been here, uh, Justin, back in 2010, I don't know if you remember, but we only had one kid. Well, since then, we now have two more, so I have three. And so my family and then my in-laws, we, were, we, we, we had all our places already booked, and we were going to to go to Wyoming this summer and we were going to, we were going to come up, uh, we were going to make a stop at uh, Mount Rushmore and then we were going to come through and go to Buffalo, Wyoming, uh, because that show was supposedly, uh, placed in Buffalo. That's where it kind of were. And then we we were going to go from there. We were going to go over to Cody and stay a few days and that's yeah. when we were going to go to Yellowstone and do our stuff there. Hopefully, was going to go to a rodeo in Cody. Then we were going to shoot down after a few days to uh, the Jackson Hole area. Yeah. And then we were going to go from uh, stay there a few days, and then we were going to come back over to Laramie because my son wanted to try to go and see the football stadium because we now, uh, since last year, have made ourselves Wyoming Cowboy football you know fans, and when we can watch them and catch them. Uh, we'll watch them on TV. Uh, now I'm a Tar Heel through and through because that's where I'm from. But I've just I've, I've fallen in love with that state. But of course we postponed that. We canceled all them reservations because I didn't know how this ma- <clears throat> how this mask stuff was going to go and so on and so forth. And I wasn't going to go two thousand miles and try to go in a store and be told I had to put a mask on and you know just couldn't go and enjoy myself. Yeah, uh, you know. So, but I'm hoping that maybe next summer uh, we'll be able to get all that planned back up and and head out that way. But I just knew that I I, I kind of knew where Bozeman was, but I wanted to see how far uh, how far it was from Yellowstone. Have you ever visited Yellowstone since you've been out there? Yeah, I have. I love Yellowstone. I, uh, from time to time, Kathy and I'll drive down there and um, drive through the park and. Um, I love it. It's, it's beautiful. You know, you, you see the Buffalo, oh, you see yeah. the elk and the deer and, um, uh, we've, we haven't seen any grizzly. There are grizzly there. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen any, but, uh, but we have seen a couple of black bear and, 
Um, of course, you got Old Faithful and the Steam Pots, and uh, it's just a I love it. It's it's a beautiful place. Yeah. Well, the last thing that I wanted to that I would kind oh, of, I saw a big moose. In fact, I, maybe I could send you the video of my moose. It's on my oh. YouTube channel. Maybe I don't know if y'all could put this in the video later for people to watch it later. It's pretty pretty impressive. Moose. Oh wow! But yeah, I just I hope we get to I hope we, I hope I get to make that trip hopefully next year. Um, but I want to ask this this one last thing, and then we'll we'll let you go. I just want to get kind of get your take on it, and I know it's probably something we could spend a whole another hour on. But I just know that it's something that's happened recently, and I just I just wanted to get your opinion on it. I, I mean, I I pretty much know where you're going to stand, but I just I just want to hear it for myself, just so I can say I heard it. But I know you've probably heard that uh, Rick Warren, his church has ordained some women. Uh, now I don't know if those were supposed to be pastors or what you may know a little bit more about that, but I just wanted to kind of get your, I know that's a whole nother can of worms and it has nothing to do with any of the uh, topics that you usually go and preach on, but I just wanted to get your, you know, I mean, since we've already said some things, it's probably got people hot. I mean, why not just keep it up? Uh, (laughs) so what, what is, what is your take on that? Uh, how, um, you know, if you, have you looked into that too much or know what's going yeah. on there? Yeah. I'm very grateful that Rick Warren did what he did and finally came out and showed his true colors instead of hiding it. Uh, I'm finally, I'm glad he was finally honest about the liberal that he is. Rick Warren is a false teacher. Um, he is, and he is ordained now three women as pastors in his church. And, I taught on this this past weekend in Florida. Men and women are of equal value before God. There is no debate about that. We are both created in the image of God. Genesis 1 is crystal clear about that. All the Bible is crystal clear about that. There's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Um, We are both made in the image of God. We are indwelt by the same Holy Spirit. We're saved the same way. But we do have different roles. God has given to men and women different roles, equal value, but different roles. And God has ordained it that men are to be the spiritual leader in both the home and the church. Uh, look at the qualifications for being an elder in First Timothy, the husband of one wife. A woman cannot be the husband of one wife. And Paul is very clear. He does not allow a woman to usurp authority over a man. Um, women are not allowed to be leaders in spiritual leaders in positions of spiritual authority in the church. They're just not, we have different roles. Well, now, Justin, now you, now you know that that was just written at a different time. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, you're right. It was written in a different time. It absolutely was. But the argument that Paul is making is timeless. Exactly. Because he cre- he uh, he anchors that teaching to the created order. Yep, exactly. I mean, it, it, and he even connects it uh, with with childbearing. Uh, he said, you know, for women, uh, you know, women will be saved through uh, childbearing, he says. And, and last time I looked, it was still women doing most of the childbearing. <laughs> you know, I, I still think women pretty much have a lock on that. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> a lock on that, on that, uh, process. I, I don't want none of it. 
Not on either. <laughs> not on either. You know, so it's timeless. It's this is not a cultural thing that Paul said. It's not a cultural. This is theological. Yeah. What yeah. gets me with people that bring up those type of arguments with 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 like that, or they they want to say things like, "Well, that was that was just written for that time," or uh, "These were just uh, these were just men and and." How men and women—they just were so different back then—and and, and or, or 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 well, those men that wrote the Bible, you know, they could have added some of their own stuff. What always gets me with the people who—and I'm sure you've heard those type of excuses—and me and Cato was talking about this here uh, last week. But my 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 deal with that is is for you to make that kind of statement. I never have understood this. You'll make that kind of statement. In regards to, to, to just what we're talking about with, with ordaining women or what have you, you, you don't want to accept the, what the Scripture plainly says in regards to that. Yep. But then, but then you want to accept the Scripture that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, my, my, my deal with, with that person is, Okay, you want to tell me that men wrote the Bible and they could have added some of this and messed some of this up. Well, how do you know? To me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, because I want to be. I don't. I don't. I would never want to lead anybody astray. Well, then, if that's the case over here, well, how do we know the men wasn't just lying to us when they wrote John three sixteen? Yeah. Does that make? Am I making sense there? Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it, you are, and it's a perfectly valid argument. In, in fact, you have to say that. Uh, as believers, we believe in what's called the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture. The Holy Spirit of God inspired Scripture. It is theonoustos. It is God-breathed. From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21, every verse is equally inspired, equally authoritative. So you can't pick and choose what you like and what you don't like. You can't like John three sixteen, and not like first Timothy two verse 12. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you just, you can't do that. And, um, let me say this, every, every denomination that has ordained women as pastors, leaders in, in their church, in their particular denomination, 100% of those denominations go into full blown theological liberalism. Yeah. Hmm. And if, if this is not nipped in the bud in the SBC, you mark my word. If I, if I were to die next week, go back and watch this video 10 years from now, the SBC will, fee, will be fully embracing homosexuals Yeah, and homosexuality. Yeah. I mean, you, you we, mark my word. we have, uh, and, and to kind of, to start closing this out, we have to stick to the word. That's the only truth we have. You you have to go to you have to you have to stick uh, to the word uh, because it's God's word, it's what He says, and uh, that's just what we have to stick to. Yeah, um, absolutely, Cato, we're yeah. gonna close it out. All right, man. Justin, Good man, stuff. man, Justin, I appreciate you. I know you've got a whole lot better things you could have been doing. Uh, but I've, it, I've never met your wife, but tell her thanks for letting us borrow some of, of uh, your time. Uh, it was just an honor to have you. It was good to kind of catch up with you again just a little bit. Uh, 
But thank yeah, you so you much for being here. Uh, hold on. I'm going to end this broadcast, but I want you to hold on before we let you completely go, okay? All right. Uh, everybody, you've been listening to the Cato and Church podcast. We appreciate it so much. Uh, email Cato and Church at gmail.com. Uh, uh, we also go to our Facebook page. Um, we have a YouTube channel. We only got one video up right now. Of course, that's me cooking something. And prob- <laughs> probably tomorrow, Cato, I think I'm going to be cooking something else. I hope to get it recorded and put it up there. Uh, but that's just something fun we like to do, folks. But we do appreciate everybody that's uh, that listens or will listen. And until next time, Cato and Church, you know, hey, repent and believe the gospel. Amen. <laughs>